Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Achtung, Achtung, welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray, and James Holland, uh, your Second World War podcast for the afflicted and all those blighted by an interest in the Second World War. <laughs> Every time, do you know what? One of the best lines ever was that one that Robert Harris came up with. Yep. When he said, people always ask me, why are you so obsessed with the Second World War? And I uh, I was replied, why wouldn't you be obsessed yeah. with the Second World War? Exactly. Do you know what? That just made me feel a whole load better about myself. You know, actually, um, yes, I'd, if we're in sort of confessional mode here. I, I, yeah, absolutely. Because, because... It, it, it was like, it was like I was the lonely man in the flat all on my own. <laughs> and I didn't realise that I had a whole load of friends out there. Oh, Jim! Oh, and now I realise well, that I'm part of a global community of fellowship. Well, but, the, but the thing is, though, when people ask me uh, 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 about why I'm interested, I say, well, because because the, obviously the assumption is your brother the other day when we were at the podcast show. Oh, yeah. He sort of did a, like, a, like a mocking thing about, you know. How dare he? I know. And I'm thinking, well, you're, you like the Romans. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. the Romans is so long ago, who cares? You're right. right. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Romans, exactly. well, whatever. Anyway, but the but the but the but the point is 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 you know, it's about Your Rome may be larger than my garden, but my machine gun is much better than your pylon. <laughs> or whatever the asterisk slide is. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's about but it's a, it's because you we could we could talk about this for a year without talking about one battlefield incident. You could yep. talk about technology you could talk about medicine you could talk about signals signals social politics you could talk about venereal heart, disease venereal disease exactly you could talk about sti stis as they are now um, you could talk about refining uranium you could talk about absolutely anything talk about juntas in um in in, in, argentina. in argentina exactly you don't have to it doesn't have to be although that is exciting some of the exciting stuff is the you know, battlefield stuff. But yeah, do that chat about Operation Strike. I really enjoyed that. That oh, was great. Good. That was a really good chat. Anyway, but today, um, what we thought we'd <laughs> just do, to prove the point that we, to prove we only point. want the we only want the alpha events. Well, but this is the, yeah, but but this is the sharp end. This is the sharp end. That that means that, that the operational level, the other stuff, the stuff that wins the war can happen. So what we wanted to talk about today is the is well, well, we're going to do it in May, weren't we? We've got yeah. to be carried away with the dams. Yeah, the dam's kind of overwhelmed us to the point where that's it for the dam busters this year. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. We've just take, actually just taken a decision today actually not to include it in the programme for We Have Ways. Yeah. 
I was yeah. going to do a kind of a big build. I just feel we've just done it. We've done it. We've and done it. There's nothing else to say about it. And and the idea with talking about 1943 at the festival. Oh God, I got to tell you, it was really funny. I did I did a um, an Aussie radio show yesterday about, oh, yeah. about the um, about the dams raid, and and it was a bit like doing Jeremy Vine, and so much that you know you, you you chat to the host, but also people call in. Oh really? <laughs> and all these all these Aussies would call in and sort of go. Yeah, you know, my my great uncle was uh, he was a signaler. He did Morse code, and actually, he told me that that he was the person who delivered the detail of the dams raid to the crews, and they only found out once they were in the air. And the and the presenter would go, "Oh, blimey, crikey! Well, wow, how about that? Well, what do you make of that, James?" And, and I you said, said well, "Well, that's, that's not true, mate. Sorry." <laughs> Crushing family legends with every every utterance. But the Aussies played a massive part in the raid, of so course. I kind of you know I substantiated that every yeah. every available opportunity. In fact, I don't know why really because we've got Ashes starts next week, <laughs> or Ooh. it might have already started by the time this goes out. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, uh, I was at the second day, Ireland's second day, as were mm. you. We didn't manage to um, run into each other. Uh, no, we were, there was there was talk of, of pints of tea, and yeah. and uh, it's just so hard to do that. Yeah, because tea's over in a, in a in a try. So yeah. absolutely, you want to see someone getting a double hundred. Yeah, you don't want to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. But I was, with, I was and it takes you twenty minutes just to get round to your side of the ground. I was with some Irish friends, and the, and we talked about the podcast, and I talked about um all that stuff uh, uh, Joseph Quinn told us about. You know the the, the Irish recruitment and how yeah, yeah you know volunteers going into going in through Northern Ireland all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then we got into this amazing conversation about all the arcane uh, IRA factions and and the, the, what the continuity IRA what that means. Yes, is that the bloke in charge of that? He regards himself as the actual president true president of Ireland before the constitution got changed. That's what continuity means in that context. Wow. And then this group called the IPLO, the Irish People's Liber- Liberation Organisation, something, who were affiliated with the PLO in the 70s. And we'll get oh yeah, because they had all those sort of mutual training camps. Exactly, stuff, exactly, exactly. And and they were they were uh, because you had you had the you know Marxists who split off the the, the IRA that that was the, the the Adams IRA. This is a this is a, this is me offering highlights of a remembered conversation in a beer garden at Lord's. So yeah, if yeah. I get any of this wrong, um, you you don't know where I live. Don't send the lads round. But but just absolutely <laughs> just absolutely fascinating. But the IPLO just re- and apparently what happened with them at one point the PLO go right great giving all these weapons. We need you to kill some Jews, please. And the, the IPLO will go, we haven't got any. It's Northern Ireland. We, we haven't got any. Anyway, that, that, like I say, this is all anecdotal and, and maybe maybe I got that wrong. Anyway, but what we want to talk about this week. So it was a good day. It. it was a beautiful day in the sunshine at Lords. But we haven't done this. And we ought to do this because this is a really important part of the story of how the Second World War is won by the Allies. Indeed, probably the most important. The most song. important part. It so. is well. It's absolutely key to understanding what follows. Yeah, um, is the crushing of the wolf packs in the Atlantic, and I think you know a lot of sort of mythologies, like all the big events of the Second World War. A lot of mythologies grown up around it. Yes, one some... thing I was ever cruelly frightened about. All that stuff. Yes. All that sort of stuff. The battle of the Atlantic is crucial for us going forward. Yeah. And so on. You're the Nazis. The Nazis. You both have a... Anyway. Yeah. yeah, anyway. All that. Yeah. Um, but 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 inevitably, you, to, to, to find out how you get to the point of crushing the, um, the U-boats in that absolutely crucial month of May 1943, yeah. almost 80 years ago, well, that is eighty years ago, but yeah, you know, yeah, past eighty years past ago. Past eighty now. years ago, yeah. But but you know, so we're doing it a little bit. We're doing it in June, but but you know, it could be it could be May. Um, 
Well, it couldn't. But, you well, know, the fruit, I'm giving myself a tangle fruit, here. Fruit, you know what I meant. We should have done, it, covered it in May 19. We fruit, should have covered it in May. Yeah. We haven't. We're covering it in June, yeah. but but it's relevant. And the fruits are being felt in June. The root, fruits are being felt in June. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Got out of that one. Thank you for untangling me. That's all right. Um, but the previous, but we have to go back. But the previous June. Yeah. So 81 years ago. Yeah. Um, is a happy time, isn't it? Well, you, you're just coming off the happy time. Yeah. So it's the end of the happy time. It's the last month of, of, of the second happy time. So the first happy time, for those who don't know, is um, in the summer of 1940 when um, convoys are going across the Atlantic um, to Britain. Of course, it's the time of defeat of France and, and the Battle of Britain and retreat from Dunkirk and yeah. all the rest of it. And what's happening is the Navy, home fleet, is all basically sandwiched down into southeast England. Yeah. In case of a cross-channel invasion, yeah, and so the convoys are going largely unescorted. So for yeah. the U-boats, even though there's not very many of them, um, it's it's kind of easy slaughter in time, yeah. and you know technology hasn't isn't really up to much at that point. Yeah. So the U-boats are very much in the ascendancy, even though there's only about thirteen operating in the sea at one time. I mean that is nothing. That is amazing. Yeah, and it? they're operating fourth packs of kind of you know threes and fours because so, because yeah. obviously. Um, Every counterfactual lever you pull delivers a different outcome. But let's say the Germans had invested properly, as it were, yep. in, in U-boats and had four times that amount. Mm-hmm. They'd have they'd have won that phase of the Second World well, War. I, well, but, but yes, but then the British wouldn't have reacted in the same way. They would the have British realised would, that exactly, was more of it, so you like wouldn't said, have you pull, a home fleet there. Exactly, so. you pull the lever. And, and so, also, so it's impossible and, to say. And the, also that steel you don't have for the turpits. It's steel you don't have for tanks. It's It's... Uh, it has all sorts, yes, yeah, because they've only got because because trust me, they're using pretty much all the steel they've got yeah. in in the build up to the start yeah. of the Second World War. Yeah. So so that's the first happy time, uh, and they are they are sinking kind of you know three hundred forty thousand tons in July, three hundred eighty thousand tons in August, and all the way through to October, and then it kind of chills out. As a proportion of shipping, shipping, what is that? Well, it's not it's not a huge amount. I mean, Britain loses two thousand four hundred fifty two merchant vessels in the entire war and starts the war with ten thousand. So uh, uh, on any given day, there are around ship- 2,000 freighters going around the world at one point right. on and, behalf of Britain. And also or- all the coal shipping going along the English coast as well. Yeah, so that is- includes all of that. Right, right. But we're talking Start- freighters, merchant Yes, vessels. yes. Starts the war with 10,000 ships, mm-hmm. ends the war with... About the same. Right, OK. OK. The American... Shipping situation starts changed. much smaller, goes absolutely much, much bigger. No, yeah, I mean it's not much smaller because it's still pretty big, yeah. en- you know, enterprise even in 1939. Yeah. But but obviously it gets much 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 bigger. But, we'll, but and we'll come on to that. Well, so what percentage of the British of world shipping to the British control by the time the Norwegians, Dutch, Belgians? They have 33 percent of the world's merchant shipping. Yeah, and they have access to more like 80 percent. It's 80 percent. Yeah, 80 yeah. percent. Yeah, okay. if you include the Americans, that's quite that's quite the advantage that are operating on their behalf in some capacity. It doesn't yeah. mean say they they could still be neutral. Yeah, yeah. but but they are well, you shipping hire something. Them. To, you hire them, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know they are delivering stuff to okay. them. So because because after all, it's important to put the happy happy time into that proportion as yeah, well. Yeah, so that's the first happy time. The second yeah, yeah. happy time is is once the um, Americans joined the war in December nineteen forty one. They don't have a have a have a convoy system, and the reason no. they don't have a convoy system is because it's a really inefficient way of loading and unloading. Because yeah. you've suddenly got lots of stevedores who are absolutely run off their feet when the convoy comes in, and then have nothing to do in between. Yeah. So what you want is just steady kind of to and fro the whole time. And they mm. think that are going. What, what we're talking about no convoy system is we're talking about going up through the Gulf of Mexico, yeah. through the Caribbean, from between South America and North America. That's what we're talking about. And they just don't think the U-boats are going to be bothered with them or are going to operate that far across the Atlantic. Yeah. 
but they do. Uh, and the U-boat forces, they have the, the, these Milchau, um, uh, the, these, these kind of... Supply U-boats. Yeah, 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 supply U-boats with fuel that keep these people on, on patrol for kind of months at a time. Mm. And so it's the second happy time is the first half of 1942. And eventually, in May 1942, the Americans institute the, you know, constitute the new convoy yeah. system. They do accept that they're going to have to do this. They put it into a convoy system. And so at that point, there's no point for Dernitz. Admiral Dernitz, who's the commander of the BDU, the, um, the, the U-boat force, there's no point in him having all his U-boats over on the far side of the Atlantic because that's a very inefficient way of, yeah, it's di- of it's operating di- it's because di- you've got to get all the way from Germany. It's difficult. It's, it's difficult and, and it's not going to work anymore. It's not going to work anymore. So they're moving back into what's called the Mid-Atlantic. Um, mid, well, it's called the Mid-Atlantic, but it's the Mid-Atlantic air gap from the point of view of, of both the Germans yeah. and the Allies. Yeah. And this is where you can't... And, and the reason why the air gap is so important is because U-boats in the Second World War are not really, apart from the Type 21s coming right at the very, very end, they're not really what we would consider modern submarines. They're right. what we call submersibles. So they can operate for periods under the water. And hide. And basically. hide. But when you're attacking, you absolutely want to be on the surface. Yeah. And that's because they can operate at kind of, you know, 14, 17 knots, yep. something like that, on the surface, which is faster than almost all merchant ships. But once you go underwater, yeah, you're, looking you're switching four, because your your batteries get used too quickly if you use them fast. Yeah. You know, if you're going, going at kind of sort of 10 knots or something on a battery, you're going to re- use it up but in they, an hour. But if you're using it at a walking pace, you can keep it. But but the, the, the tendency is to attack at night anyway on the surface, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So they up, yeah, absolutely. Up they pop and they've got they've yep. got they've got 88s as well, haven't they? Uh, yep. As well as torpedoes. Yep. So the idea is you you, you track the convoy and once it's dark, up you hop. And you you ambush then, yes. And, and rather than kind of the obviously so much of our perception this is shaped by movies, yeah. Which is which is the U boat, the silent silent killer, silent, killer, silent killer, unseen coming killer. In, yeah, coming in at night. In fact, I remember the World at War being very good on this about its U boats attacking in in at night time, yeah. uh, making that point that that's actually how they how they yeah pr- prosecute their uh, attacks. Anyway, anyway, so so so, 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 so that so so in June 1942. They they do sink six hundred thirty six thousand nine hundred twenty six tons of Allied shipping, but mostly this is off the Americas. And yeah. this is it's all very well saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna constitute a convoy system in May nineteen forty two, but don't think that just happens overnight. No, that takes some organising. That takes some organising, and so this is the remnants of that. But interestingly, six hundred nearly six hundred forty thousand tons is a hell of a lot. Yeah, but that is only the third time in the war that they've sunk more than half a million tonnes of shipping. Right. And that is the pre-war estimate that Dernitz reckons they need to be sinking every single month. But he knows he can't do that. To bring Britain to its heels. Yeah, but he, but he knows he yeah, can't. Yeah, 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 but it, but it gets worse. Yeah. Because that 500,000 tonnes, to a certain extent, is an arbitrary figure, but that well, is based on the assumption yeah. that Britain is still going to require imports of food. Well, I mean, I was just going to sustain say, itself. And, and we, know, we know, say, from all our chats about the... The Battle of Britain, for instance, just how keen a grasp um, the Germans have of what Britain's capabilities need. Yes, yeah, are. it's absolutely you know, all over. Just, just have no. They essentially 
have no idea, do they? It's com- so no. he's he has picked that number out of a hat, hasn't he? He has picked out of a hat, but but it is interesting. It has relevance because obviously it it's it's completely wrong. But it, but <laughs> but it's based on the assumption that they're yeah. not going to be able to imp- that they're no longer going to be imp- yeah, able yeah, to yeah, import yeah, most of their food. Yeah, yeah. But actually, obviously, Britain goes through the war from from fourteen percent self production of food to to ninety one percent by yeah. nineteen forty five. Yeah, and and what they've done is they, the 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 harvests of nineteen forty two and forty one have been incredibly successful. Yeah. So they produced 53 million um, tons in 1941, um, 80 million tons uh, of of, of yeah. harvest in uh, of corn. Yeah. Um, in 1942, whereas in Germany, by sharp contrast, every single harvest since 1939 has gone worse and worse and worse, while their while their requirement has got has increased. And they've the, also the problems of all the places they've conquered and farming those and all having enough farm labor yep. and 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 after all, Germany's a strange it is an industrial economy but it's also an agrarian economy at the same time yes so if you take people off farms because you're not mass producing on your farms yep uh, you're buggered and, and they haven't got people, much machinery on that well we exactly know. and you take people out of factries yep. because you need them for you know i mean one of the things one of the things the german economy is is running so hot before barbarossa there's a thing where soldiers go back and work in munitions factories yep. to generate enough That's ammunition right, yeah. to take to barbarossa with them yeah. so you, you, how, about, is, how mad is that well how 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 completely Short term, you yeah. can only do short term. So of you, course, of course, they've lost it by November nineteen forty one. Because, because, because <laughs> exactly, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh god, here we go again. Um, but, 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 the, but and the, I mean, this is also the period. I think it's worth bearing in mind. This is also the same period where the British buy a load of they buy a load of grain from the Americans, and it all goes to rock because they don't need it. Yeah. Because uh, their internal food production has, has improved to the extent where this stuff just sits in silos and yeah, and of course and the, the Americans point... are like, don't come to us again with complaints about having got enough food. That, that, yeah, that yeah, actually yeah, yeah. poisons part of that relationship. The point about that is twofold. First of all, it's about Britain's ability to feed itself, but also it's about freeing up shipping for other things. Yeah, 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 so if you're not coming, if you haven't got a ship full of corn, then you, you can fill it with tanks or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. But but. Interestingly, by June 1942, Dönitz has revised that and gone, hmm, actually, that half a million is not really going to cut it. More like 800,000, which is a figure they only reach... I don't think they ever reach it, do they? No, they never get to it. Uh, and also, but isn't that also Dönitz, you know, Dönitz is pitching here, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they reach it once in November 1942. Right, right. It's but the only is, time they reach it. This is Dönitz pitching, though, isn't it? He's going... You're going to have to give me your more U-boats. It, 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 this is inter-service rivalry, surely. He's going, deprioritise this so you can prioritise me. Yeah. And all that as well. Yeah. He says yeah. pitching. So that's why he's picking numbers out of the hat. Because he's, he's going into a meeting. But it's a, but it's a difficult balance because you can't say, you know, I need to be sinking 800,000 tonnes a month uh, or else we're not going to defeat the Allies. And, you know... OKW, the commander of Vermont, could sort of go, well, that's fantastical, so let's not even bother. Yeah. So, you know, it's a it's a... It's a it's an interesting. It's you know, it's an interesting one. Yeah. But but it is interesting. So, so I think the thing to understand about about the second happy time is that actually, although it's very bad news for the Americans and they're losing lots of ships, it actually doesn't really add up to a hill of beans in the yeah. big in the big scheme of things. It doesn't mean that you know they're going to lose you know lose the battle of the Atlantic. Really. That, yeah. that, that is so far from happening by this stage. Well, okay. But 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 there's bigger things at play here. Well, what the Allied commi- from the Allied point of well, view, well, let's, not let's, bigger things at play, but, but even though they're not going to lose it, is absolutely essential that they win it. Yes, yeah, yeah, because you can't have this drag. It's a drag anchor. You can't have it on. You can't absolutely, have it on your for all sorts of reasons. Okay, so so j- just very very quickly, let's do a meanwhile for July nineteen forty two. What else is happening? What are the Allied commitments in July nineteen forty two? Well, they're just coming back to the Allemagne line. Yep. 
Um, so you need shipping straightened out because Roosevelt's promising tanks to Eighth Army, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need it. And you, you divert shipping for that. Yeah, it's also agreed out. that they're going to do Operation Torch in yep. July 1942 yep. in Northwest yep. Africa, which okay. really requires a lot of shipping coming from Atlantic. Yeah, exactly. Um, You're building it. Um, D- um, Dieppe. Yeah, August. Yeah, 1942. So that that's your and the and and it's a, a new series of um, uh, German summer offensives on the Eastern Front. Mm-hmm. So so that that's your meanwhile. So that's also that's also the thing that Donitz is competing with, isn't he? Is he's competing yep. with the Wehrmacht in in that regard? Uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, go uh, on. But on the plus side, um, the Bedienst, which is their you know equivalent to Bletchley Park, you know their their yeah. code and cipher school, effectively, um, they have. Penetrated the British uh, convoy cipher, which yeah. which means, but they they penetrated Royal Naval ciphers in 1939. Yeah, yeah, and repeatedly, then, and then all over again in 1940, and then all, and then Army ciphers in 1940, RAF ciphers in 1940 as well. Yeah, and they were they they they, they were you know they were very very good. They were winning. They, the B Deanst were winning the, the the cipher war. Yeah. Right up until, at that point. At that point, right, uh, right up until kind of mid forty two. Uh, uh, and obviously, if you're in a U boat, that's incredibly important. If you're part of a wolf pack, because the whole point is that you haven't got much room for manoeuvre. Actually, you know, the Atlantic's an absolutely vast place. You can't move very fast. So if you know that a convoy's coming and you know the route, what the route's going to be, then yeah. you can lie in wait, and that's the whole yeah. point. That's that's the key to understanding how wolf packs work. Yeah. Is you lie in wait. You have a little scout that sort of picks up the first one, then signals to everybody else. Then you can get in position, hunker down, wait for night. Hammer them, yeah. And, and that's that's how that works. So so that's all. Uh, that's that's a tick in the box for for Dernitz's BDU, the U-boat force. But mm. but that is literally about it. Yeah, and numbers that, numbers are on the increase. And that and that doors the, the signals advantage. The door is closing. Is, is, a, is about to close again. But you still have to remember that the BDU is only three thousand strong in nineteen thirty nine, and that's a massive problem because it means if you want to suddenly expand it, you haven't got enough you experienced mean people personnel. Personnel. Right. I yeah. mean, you think about that. That's that, nothing. It's that's nothing. A, it's a tiny. Brigade of infantry? Not even that. Not even that. No. That's three battalions. That's extraordinary. Three battalions and a few extras. God. So they. So th- that, mean, that means they must all, they all know each other. All the officers know yep. each other. That's a tiny, tiny carder, isn't it? Yeah. And I would say that probably 75% of them are dead or out of action by that point. Well, and this is it. So, so transmission of experience is incredibly difficult when it when it's that, that small. Is, that is the key point. So, it, it, and th- this is why you, it's no good just looking at numbers. Yeah. N- numbers is not enough. Yeah. Because, yes, they've now got 70 U boats operating in the Atlantic. And they've now got a fleet of over two hundred, but that that doesn't really matter if your crews are not good enough for the tasks they've yeah. been given. Well, and organisations need to be big enough to to have, especially military organisations, because because after all, the the, the unnatural wastage, yeah. as it were, yeah. of combat means that you know you you lose you lose a super experienced U-boat captain, you lose his experience yeah, exactly with that. him. So so what so what Dernitz does is he siphons off most of those experienced 1939ers who are still around, who're still alive in the late summer of 1942 get pulled off operations at this point. Yeah. It's a very un-German thing to do. Yeah. Because they repeatedly don't do that in the Second World War. But yeah, Dernitz does have pilot, enough pilots, good sense to do it. Pilots stay out until yeah, they yeah, yeah, until, until they, they die. Killed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, they have patches of leave, but mm. but but they're just Constantly operational, so so people like Teddy Surin, people like Eric Top, you know, who are still alive, they get pulled off and become instructors. Yeah, and, and quite right too. It's absolutely the only thing they can do. 
but there's still not enough of them to be able to do the experience. And, they, and actually, Dernitz's hand is tied. He, can't, he cannot afford to have them on operations because otherwise, who's training them? It's just, I mean, this is because they've they've run out. You know, all the biggies, the Kretschmers, Preens, um, you know, all these guys—they're all dead or captured. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's no. So basically, there's an institutional muscle memory problem. Totally, exactly right. that, right. and, and that, that that means that yes, the numbers of U-boats are are increasing all the time, every month. But it doesn't mean the no, as, the, it doesn't mean the, the what it should mean because the know-how is the know-how is, know is decreasing even as exactly. The so 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 actually. Although the Allies are kind of, you know, that, that 636,000 tonnes of, of June 1942 is a horrific number, actually it really has to be seen in context. Most of them are on, off the Americas. Yeah. And interestingly, in the summer of 1942, high summer, it's not such a good time for, for U-boats because it's obviously less dark periods. Yeah. 11 U-boats sunk in the Atlantic in July. 11 U, 10 U-boats sunk in, in the Atlantic in August. A further 11 in September and 16 sunk in October. So what's that? That's uh, 32, 42, 48. 48 in four months. Well, you know, when when you're, you've only ever got 70 operational, well, that's more than 50% of your operational U-boats gone in four months. That's completely, that's a disaster. Yeah, well, it, well, once you start looking at it as percentages of a toll and the cumulative effect, yeah, yes, it is, because they're not replacing those enough. Well, they are actually, but because the, the most I think they ever have is something like 100 Thirty but operating not with, but, in the but not with every crew's new, so everyone's everyone started from scratch. Yes, and actually, the, the the worst month in terms of Allied shipping in the Atlantic of all, as I alluded to a little while ago, was November, where eight hundred two thousand tons yeah. are sunk. And again, that needs to be put into some kind of context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which... Uh, uh, and and what is coming on board at this point is a whole host. Of yeah. new technologies for the yeah. Allies. Yeah. Yes, because you're you're looking at the cavity magnetron, aren't you? Basically. Well, cavity magnetron is key to that, but there's a whole lot more than that. So there's advances in um, in Huff Duff, yeah. which is high frequency direction finding, uh, and and in sharp contrast to the Germans, the experience levels in the in the particularly the Royal Navy, but also of course the Royal Canadian Navy as well, are increasing massively. And it's just worth pointing out that there's very little um, US Navy presence in the Battle of the Atlantic at this mm. point because most of them are in the Pacific. Yeah, and that, the Pacific. that's a deal and everyone's yeah, accepted that. Yeah. It's not that the Americans are shirking it or anything. It's just yeah. that that's the way the, the, the balance of, of supplies and forces has, has been carved out. Yeah. So it's basically down to the Royal Navy and the Royal Canadian Navy. And because the Royal Navy was the world's largest in 1939, what that means is you've got a much greater experience bank. And because the U-boats have focused on getting merchantmen rather than the escorts, which has mm. been a, a tactical mistake. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And so there's still lots and lots of, of um, destroyer captains and corvette captains who are still around. And who the more they do it, the better they get at the it. The better they get at it. You know, you're Donald McIntyre's of, the, of, yeah. the, of the, you know, who are sort of, you know, their escort group commanders. So this is a group yeah. of... Of destroyers operating, you know, there's nothing that you can't teach them anything else now. Yeah. They've 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 got it all, and of course, what is also happening is not only are the captains getting better and more experienced and and kind of working out new tech tactical techniques and stuff, all the little substrata are also getting better. So your huff duff wireless operators and radio yeah. men are also getting yeah, better, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so you can then pull them out for a stretch and train other people, so they're getting better. So the, the ability to use high-frequency direction finding is just so much more efficient than it was two years ago, and also 
the, the the equipment is better. It's more refined. It's like anything else. It's like a, it's like the progress of an iPhone, for yeah. example. It's the, yeah. the same as with, with the Huff Duff. It's very interesting. This idea of organisations being big enough to actually sustain themselves um, yeah. uh, uh, in terms of in terms of their process. I mean, one of the things people talk about with the, with the modern British Army is it's becoming too small to, to sort of keep itself yeah. going in yeah, terms yeah, yeah. of in terms of techniques and traditions. And, yeah. and and by tradition, I don't mean you know wearing bearskins. I mean how you how you run an infantry battalion yeah. that you need you need enough people in it who've been around long enough yeah. who've been around people who, who are in it long enough to then especially if you need to expand to have enough people to expand because after one of the big one of the massive problems for the BEF in 1939 is the vast influx of territorial battalions who who didn't know what they were doing and the yeah. and the BF didn't have enough people to to uh, to fix that problem. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yep. go, on. Yep. go on. So, so anyway, there's a whole host of new technologies which yeah, are either yeah. just coming in at this point in the late summer of 1942, or or, or in the process of being developed. Um, and some of them are British. Obviously, cavity magnetron. The Germans still don't know that it exists. That's amazing. Uh, um, you know, Teddy Surin when he goes and gets his what is it, his swords or whatever to his yeah. knight's cross. He he has an interview with Hitler and he tells them and he says, says I'm absolutely convinced that they've got radar. They got radar. Hitler looks shocked. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Move on. Let let me talk to someone who's going to actually make me feel better about myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so so anyway, so and of course they have, but they they never right up to the war's end discover about. Cavity Magnetron. It's nothing they've ever developed and they, no. they can't do it. But anyway, obviously, Cavity Magnetron means that you can have onboard radar, which is very, very small, basically, rather than having huge, great, you know, network of TV aerials yeah, stuck yeah, on the, yeah, on the front of hangers, yeah. So, so, so that, that's what that is. But the, the, the Americans, are, are they've developed MAD, um, Magnetic Anomaly Detectors, um, which are able to pick up changes in the Earth's magnetic field caused by large metal objects, such as a U-boat. Yeah, and they can do this from the air. So again, you can put this 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 mad is like a it's like a it's it's not like radar, but it's doing a kind of similar sort of detection job. Mm, mm. So that's coming in. Um, they've also developing air launched acoustic honing torpedoes. Yeah, and, and, and sono boys, and and sonar boys are, are disposable sonars. You can be dropped to sea. Yeah. and they they float around and they send signals back to the kind of the mothership. Yeah, uh, I mean. Of course they can do that, yeah. you know, by today's standards. But think about this. This is 1942. Oh, no, it's total sci-fi, isn't it's it? It's total sci-fi stuff. I yeah. mean, just just think where they were kind of 25 years ago and sort of, yeah. you know, dope and wood and string and yeah. your aircraft. Yeah. You know, things are really, really, really moving on. Yeah. Uh, and and the acoustic honing torpedoes are a total game changer. Yeah. I mean, all you, I mean, you compare, compare that to home chain RDF. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just two it's years bonkers. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Cavity Magtron it sort of comes into comes into being in November 1940. But you know what I mean? But yeah, I do. And I know exactly what you mean, and it's it's absolutely incredible. And and in terms of R and D, research and development, the British absolutely prioritise the Battle of the Atlantic, mm-hmm. and you know, quite right too. Um, so the, that's what the Americans are doing. The British have also developed the Hedgehog, which is a cousin of the Peart. Um, I just want to put that out there. Yeah, very uh, nice. we've, we've managed to bring up the Peart yeah, well um, in naval warfare. Well done. Well uh, this done. Is, this is a good pit, link. Uh, this is a, a, a spigot mortar, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it it fires off sort of ripples of uh, of depth charges, doesn't it? Um, yes. So 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 each of these are are, are contact fuse bombs, um, each with a fifteen kilogram warhead of TNT, and there's twenty four of them per hedgehog. And the whole point is they can push forward. So when you've got your Aztec. Asdic and it's sort of doing its Asdic toad thing, pinging, pinging. Yeah, it can only ping ahead. 
Yeah. It can't. It, it pings in an arc in front of you, so it sweeps in front of you like that. Um, no, I'm doing arm signals, which is obviously doesn't work. Doesn't, on, doesn't they, work all know, they all know what you meant, Jim. Okay, so so <laughs> good. But what it can't do is it can't detect wafting. something that's directly underneath you. Yeah. So but, so when you're doing an attack on a submarine on a U-boat, mm. you're effectively whipping over your 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 depth charges blind. Yeah, and that's the that's the problem with it. Yeah, yeah. But with hedgehogs, is you can you can you can fire them ahead of you to where the ASDIC is showing the blip to be yeah so that is also a bit of a game changer yeah um well and the other game changer is that that um whatever the losses are the we can match it thanks we can match it and the liberty ships i think which i think everyone knows about and there's the, the you know there's the robert e perry famously which is built in basically in four and a half or four and a half days well it's it's built in four days 15 hours it's, 26 minutes it's incredible. I mean, it's absolutely amazing yeah. so and, and this is just good old-fashioned industrial competitiveness yeah so you've got henry kaiser's son he's running the um uh one of the yards in portland mm. portland maine i think yeah and then you've got clay bedford he's running the richmond number two yard in california yeah and Henry Kaiser's he's he's this extraordinary character who's decides to even though he's only done road construction and dams he can build shipyards and does uh and uh his son um has built a ship in 10 days it's amazing. so Clay Bedford's thinking god yeah that's really annoying we can do better than that <laughs> so 7th of November construction begins 24 hours on keel laid shell of hull welded 48 hours in, engine installed and up and deck finished. End of the third day, deck houses and masts in place. Fourth day, bit of wiring, finishing off, welding and painting. 3.27pm, 12th November, out it comes. Totally, the Robert E. Perry. Totally ridiculous. But that same month, though, is when is when Dernitz reaches his target. Yeah, that's when he reaches but, his... But I think that, it, in, in, that's the kind of the pinnacle in terms of... But the thing is, with 802,160 tonnes, that's... A, Sometimes I think the, the tonnages can be abstract, um, but that's 128 ships. Right. I mean, that's a lot of ships. It's a lot of ships, yeah. I know, because the 800,000 tonnes sounds like a lot, but actually how many ships is it, how many crews? You know, because the, 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 sometimes that's the, the issue, is the tonnage, is, the tonnage sounds as abstract, but that is an awful lot of ships going to the bottom, isn't it? Yeah, the key bit here, though, is the number sunk in the mid-Atlantic air gap, mm. which is 39. Yeah. So a lot of that 128 are still stragglers and and single sailings yeah. rather than convoys. Yeah. So although it's a catastrophic month and it's really bad, actually, you know, this is in the big scheme of things, it's not as bad as it, it, it first appears. I mean, try turning out the crew that's yeah uh, gone to the know, bottom, on, on yeah. the bottom, or on a raft for four days in the Atlantic or whatever. Yeah. But but again, it needs contextualising because this is at the moment where a lot of this stuff is coming in. Yeah. So it's a hump. It's it, it as it were. It 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 is a hump and at the same time lots of things are happening. Yeah. So for example what, what you know one of the reasons it's so bad is because of the com the, of this one convoy that gets absolutely hammered. Yeah. In November 1942. So it was TM1 from from Trinidad. Yeah. In which you know and that's a nine ship fuel convoy. Mm. And that crosses the path of U-514. Yeah. And the escort commander is advised to reroute, but doesn't. Oh. And so a few days later, um, it hits it hits the wolf pack and, uh, pack and seven out of the nine are sunk with, with 100,000 um, tonnes of God, fuel. So just that one, that one incident, bloody hell. 
Yeah. Yeah, and then there's then there's this really bad convoy um, later on. It, it, you know, there's another single sort of large convoy going across in November 1942, which also gets hammered. So, so you you know, if you have a couple of incidents like that, then that soon puts your your old tonnage puts up. Puts your dav- average affects your average. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, um, we'll take a quick break because I, I have a feeling we're about to turn a corner. It's, it's <laughs> maybe it sounds like it. We'll see you in a tick. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray and James Holland. And we're talking about crushing the wolf packs. But the wolf packs, November 1942, having having quite a time of it, um, uh, Well, they? yeah, on, on, the, on the face of it, most definitely. They've also got a new uh, radar receiver called Metox, mm. um, which is pretty crude, really. And it's basically for kind of picking up kind of old school radar, which most of the Canadians don't have. Yeah. Whereas most of the British have kind of moved on to a new... A, a kind of new generation. They they're, yeah. they're on their iPhone 14s, whereas the Canadians still on kind of iPhone twos or something. They're on Blackberries. On Blackberries. Yeah. <laughs> what? what what's a Blackberry? Don't, don't you remember? <laughs> we all had a Blackberry. Didn't yeah, we? of course we had a Blackberry. Click, click that I tiny little Blackberry. keyboard. You could get texts. Yeah, you could get texts on your Blackberry. <laughs> um, uh, and of course, you know, the Canadians are mounting to kind of 35 percent of escorts in, yeah. in the Atlantic at that time. So. You know, it's just the Canadian, the poor old Canadians, despite punching massively above their weight, are always at the bottom of the pile when it comes to kind of new technologies. Yeah, and, and you know, so so there are sort of again, there's advantages for the U-boats in that kind of latter months of of 1942, but it still has to be said that 80 percent plus of convoys are getting through unscathed. Yeah. You know, and those figures are distorted because it's the one convoy that gets absolutely hammered out of 42 ships and 16 get sunk or something. Mm. That's what everyone remembers because yeah. that's a moment of high drama. There's nothing to write about or, yeah. or get excited about if a convoy of 42 ships goes through yeah, from Halifax to Liverpool. And tell that to someone in the Merchant Navy. Of course, of course. You know. But 
But other things are happening. So there is also, you know, Percy Noble, who's been uh, the commander of, of uh, Royal Navy Forces and Western Approaches, is is shifted. Yep. You know, you've done a great, you know... Done he's great, done, is you've, he? You've got a good stint, Percy, but it's time for, for a bit of new blood. He's done. And okay. it is sort of slightly similar to, to Dowding in so much that... You know, he's a no. No one could cast any aspersions at all on his on his skill, dedication, brilliance, all those sort of things. But time's up. But time's up. It's just yeah. it just needs some fresh blood. And the thing about Max Horton, who takes over, is that he used to be in command of British submarines. Ah, that's so he's a kind in, of sort of poacher. That's an interesting uh, appointment. So he, the idea is he knows how that how they might think, how they might operate, what their weak weaknesses and strengths might be. Yeah, and, and it's absolutely fascinating because one of his big things he says is, okay, we're still going to have escort groups, um, but we're also going to put on these new forces which are going to go out. I don't want them to escort. They're oh, called they're support going... groups. Right. I want them to go out and hunt. Right. So it's just like Jimmy Doolittle when he takes over the US 8th Air Force in January 1944. He says, I don't want you to, dis- to close escort. I want you to go out and maraud. Yeah, that's how you're going to escort them. Yeah, but you've also by this point you've got a signals advantage in that in that the British know their way around the U-boat codes. Yeah, um, and and also because the British cipher naval cipher is compromised. Yeah, you can send information to the U-boats about yeah. your intentions. That's all nonsense. Yeah, they believe it. You know they believe it because you're reading their signals, yeah. and you can create confrontations. Just yeah. what happens, isn't it? Exactly. So they get to the end of the year, 1942. Yeah. And although it's still a pretty hard-hitting time for the, the Atlantic convoys, lots and lots of things are in motion. Yeah. Yeah. And one of them is the Anti-U-Boat Warfare Committee, which I think is really interesting, which is set up in November 1943 by Churchill. Yeah. And it includes it's, – it's a, you know, a, a cross-party, kind of cross-country yeah. institution. Avril Harriman, for example, who's – yeah. Franklin Roosevelt, special convoy, he's in yeah. it. Yeah. US Admiral Harold Stark, um, he's invited to be part of it. But also scientists, ministers, mm. people like Professor Patrick Blackett, you know, as in the Blackett site. Yep. Who's the head of operational research at the Admiralty. And what Blackett, Blackett is kind of probably the key man in this because he shows that 64% of losses would uh, of the Atlanta, in the Atlantic would have been avoidable since since July if the Mid-Atlantic air gap had been closed. And he says, the people of Britain can tighten their belts, but our armies cannot be let down by failure to provide equipment, guns and tanks. This means ships and more ships and safe escort for them. And do you know what? He's just hit the nub of the whole thing. Well, that's it, isn't This it? is what it's all that, about. That, that's it's, what we, well, that's and, what... and the, this is the whole problem. Is, is it, yeah. It's all very well saying, well, 80, 80% of our convoys are getting through unscathed. What you can't do is be planning for operations in, I don't know, to capture Tunis or something. Yeah, and, a regiment and you don't of... know whether 50% of the next convoy or seven out of nine oil tankers are going well, to be sunk. Or if a regiment of tanks is not available to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it means ocean. you can't plan. Yeah. You can't plan ahead. And suddenly, by the beginning of 1943, Allied commitments, as we know, are absolutely global. Yeah. And, and, and we've got to get to the, we've got to stop this, you know, because we can't win the war quickly if we don't know what's coming into Britain. Yeah. You know, for our supply yeah. chain or North yeah. Africa or yeah, whatever, yeah. we've got to we've got to sort this out. And so, hard on the back of this is the Casablanca Conference mm. of January 1943. And absolutely top of the agenda is not what's going on in Tunis; is how to win the Atlantic yeah, 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 yeah. War quickly. And the key is aircraft. 
very long range aircraft, Liberators. That's the and these more of these supply yeah. escorts yeah. and all the rest of it. Yeah. But yes, but the, but the, VLRs is absolutely. And it's key. twenty. It, it, they are, it, they ask for twenty four, don't they? It's twenty four Liberators that basically. Yeah, and they get double that, don't they? Yeah, yeah, but but that's the thing that makes a difference because because after all. Uh, at the air ministry, there's an emphasis on the strategic bombing yep. campaign. Anything with four engines is yep. is going to the roof, right. isn't it? Right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not flying around in the middle of the Atlantic. Right, but the air ministry gets lent on. Yeah. So what do you do? You put them in Iceland. Yeah. Which we've now occupied yes, in a very yeah, friendly way. Friendly, friendly occupation. Friendly, friendly occupation. Yeah, it's not, nothing. No. Nothing conquesty about that. Nothing. Nothing at all. And then what you do is you route your convoys a little bit higher. Yep. So that they're, they're always the within umbrella. range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't go, you know, you don't go, it's a mid-Atlantic, but it's not, it's a mid in terms of east to west, not yep. north yep. to south. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so therefore you're always in range. And the moment that happens, the U-boats are in really, really big trouble. Yeah. Because you've now got these honing devices. Yeah. And you've got cavity magnetron. And you've got homing torpedoes. Yeah. And you've got VLRs equipped with rockets. Yeah. And All of which can penetrate the pressure hub of a, yeah. of a Mark Nine or yeah. whatever. And by January of 1943, you're reading um, uh, your ultra works again, and, again. Yeah, yeah. Yes, for, for a bit. It's a narrow window, but but yeah. it but it yeah. it definitely helps for a bit. Yeah. So so in January 1943, U-boats sink 44 ships, 307,196 tons. February. 67 ships, 360,081 tons. Mm. And you think, oh, okay, well, that doesn't sound great. No. But 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 this is the absolute tipping point. Don't forget, it's, it's midwinter. Yeah. So this is a good time for the U-boats. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. still they're way hide. off the 800,000 yeah. that they've yeah. got to get. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is a, you know, best part of 450,000 less than they was getting yeah. in, in November. Yeah. Number of VLRs has doubled. Yeah. The US 25th anti-submarine wing is now operating from the UK. Yeah. Max Horton's persuaded um, the Admiralty to release more destroyers from the home fleet. Yep. The support groups are coming in. So there's now five support groups, these hunters. Mm. So they're, they're now packs of destroyers going out. They are the wolf packs of, of, of the Royal Navy. Yep. Going out to hunt the wolf packs in turn. Yep. Uh, and everything is starting to change. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's and, and the, Sorry, and the decision of Casablanca is... We have to prioritise this. Well, yes, it's interesting because often uh, Casablanca, the, the thing that people focus on is point blank being agreed on. Yeah. But actually, the, there's no point blank without this. Yeah. And the yep. point blank wording is pretty vague as well, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, kind of, it, it, it's it is very, very, very open-ended, the point yes. blank wording. Um, yes. Uh, uh, Whereas this is very... Point blank being the strategic bombing camp- yeah, campaign, yeah. of course. Yeah. But, but, but what they've got to do in the Atlantic is very, very clear. We've absolutely just got to hammer the... We've got to put yep. everything we can yep. in a concentrated effort to absolutely hammer the wolf packs once yep. and for all and, and so that we can start planning properly. And by May 1943, you've got 50 VLRs, these very long-range yeah. liberators. And by this point, the, the homing, you know, the acoustic homing mine is yeah. now in operation. Yeah. And it's just the most... It's incredible, this weapon. I mean, it's it's so sophisticated. And what this means is that by by this sort of very, very early summer of 1943, the Mid-Atlantic air gap has been completely closed yep. because you reroute the convoys a little bit further north so they're in range of, yep. you know, from from from, from, um, from Halifax in, in, you know, airfields in northern Canada, from airfields in, in northern Ireland and, and Scotland, and from Iceland. Yeah. And then it's kind of job done. Yeah. 
Fido, isn't it? The Mark 24 acoustic, acoustic torpedo. That's the one. Yep, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. So 370 merchantmen sail in May 1943. Only six sunk. See that? And three of those are stragglers. See, that is boggling. What a turnaround. I mean, that... But the point, the point I suppose I'm trying to make is, is that even in November 1942, the turnaround is much closer than the statistics would suggest. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. And in 19, May 1943, 41 U-boats are sunk. I mean... Just in one month. So as you remember, it was yeah. 48 in four months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, in the autumn of 1942. 41 in one month, including Dernitz's own son. And which is it. which is why on the twenty fourth of May he orders them to withdraw. Yeah, we've lost the Battle of the Atlantic. It's incredible, and I have. And that's it. That's it. It's it, it's it's over. And from then on, it's not eighty percent of convoys. It's literally all of them. Yeah, you know, U boats are still operating in the Atlantic, but they're they're pretty ineffective. Yeah, they, they... and the focus of the BDU now is in in much closer. Um, you know, it, it's smaller. This is the time of the Beaver and and. You know, and, and these little sort of one-man, two-man midget submarines yeah. that are operating in the channel. Yeah, and they're rubbish. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not going to do well. Anything. And 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 but but the but this is again, May nineteen forty-three. This is Hamburg hasn't happened yet. This is if you if you're if you are like rational and you're the the Germans, you go well. The jig's up. That's over. Not a hope. You know, not a hope. Whereas this man ends up Führer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, it's so bad. I mean, May 1943 is 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 a truly catastrophic month for the Germans. You've got yeah. end in Tunisia with all that loss of material. Yeah. You've got the dams raid catastrophic for them. Yeah, yeah. In terms of all the stuff we've been talking about. In terms of about. what a catastrophe it is. But but mostly it is the mostly it is the um it's, it's of course the, the Battle of the Atlantic. Well, because that is the, it, on coming on you know hot on the heels of Stalingrad. Yeah. But What's if, the point? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's effectively the defeat of the Kriegsmarine, isn't it? Yeah, because the rest of the Kriegsmarine, well, the Kriegsmarine's heavy metal. Its other, its other end is is hiding in fjords in Norway, trying exactly. to avoid being sunk. Yeah, but what's but, the point of that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, really. See, because oh, I've I, always I, I, said, I, oh, yeah, go on. Summer nineteen forty-three. That's when you throw in the towel. Yeah, that's when you. That's when you've been defeated in the in the classical sense. Yeah. You, you you know in no the, I'm 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 uh, I think you're right on that I I, I buy into that theory uh, I just think it's such a it's I mean, such a big moment well because it's because it's Tunis yeah S- Stalingrad's happened Kursk yeah. Kursk about to go wrong and the Allies invade Sicily like kind of yeah you know uh, just around the corner just around the, but without any without any real fuss yeah so you, it's over it's yeah. it's over they're yeah. taking vast chunks off you junk yeah, yeah, giant yeah. they're taking armies off you they've shut down your navy yeah. Um, uh, they can strike a blow right at the heart of your of your uh, military industrial complex. Yep. You can do nothing about. You didn't anticipate. Yeah. I mean, dams raid. Just to touch on it, Adam Tooze points out that that happens at the exact moment that Spear says, "I'm going to up steel production. Don't worry, boss." Yes. To Hitler. Yes. At the exact moment he yep. says he's going to do that, and then he can't. So for all the oh, it doesn't really achieve anything, you know, yeah. it, it 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 treads on that. Anyway, there you go. Tour de force, Jim. Well, likewise. Um, there we are. Done. Battle of okay. the Atlantic. Yeah, Battle of the Atlantic. Um, uh, thanks very much for listening. Don't forget, and I, I know we I know we tend not to be the hard sell uh, type podcast. Don't forget, uh, we have Ways Fest. Not like the rest of history. Not like, oh, honestly. <laughs> Don't forget, um, we have Ways Fest um, the 8th to the 10th of September at Black Pit Brewery, right by Silverstone, not near Bicester. I do appreciate some of you um, uh, on Twitter have 
taken against us locating. Uh, there's a long story as to why we think it's near Bista, which one day are probably drunkenly on stage. At the, if you, in fact, if you want to find find out why I keep saying we keep saying it's <laughs> near Bista, you've got to be there. You've got to buy a ticket. Um, uh, there'll be talks. There'll be tanks. There'll be tankards. There'll be uh, pints of. Um, uh, have we got? Is upkeep one of the beers? I think it is. I think maybe not. No, maybe not. Definitely definitely not avalanche. Anyway, avalanche, um, uh, uh, and you'll get a chance to to, to hang out with uh, fellow afflicted people. James and I will be at your entire disposal for the weekend. Lots of amazing historians. Amazing historians. Many other amazing people besides. Extraordinary entertainments yep. uh, of every kind possible. Uh, day tickets if you can't make the whole thing. We would love to see you there, probably as much as you'd love to see us there. And we're going. So, you know, it couldn't be easier, could it? Um, th- uh, we have waysfestival.com. Lloyd Carrier. Yeah, the Lloyd Carrier, r- back from the dead, Phoenix from the flames. <laughs> anyway, we will we will uh, see you there, hopefully. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, cheerio. Cheerio. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy, too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics U.S. wherever you get your podcasts.